fourth Sunday in Lent comes from John chapter 3. Jesus said, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that God gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Creator and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. In the immortal words of Indiana Jones, why does it have to be snakes? <laughs> we start today in the wilderness. The wilderness, you might remember, is where the people of Israel landed after they were freed from their slavery in Egypt. It started out well. They were saved from generations, 400 years of slavery, by walking through the parted waters of the Red Sea, only to turn around and watch as behind them the powerful soldiers of Pharaoh, once thought to be completely undefeatable, drowned when the waters collapse back on them. Here, this small band of underdogs, the Hebrew people, has been part of one of the great and improbable victories of all time. And on this other side of the shore, they dance and they sing and they praise God for delivering them at last. And then they go into the wilderness. Forty years they remain there stuck between one way of life and the next. Forty years they wake up each morning, hoping and praying that God has provided manna once more for them to eat. Forty years they wait and they watch and they learn how to be the people of God without a home, without a sanctuary, without even a road map. They learn a lot in those 40 years. They also meet the snakes. Now, they've been in the wilderness for a while when we come across them today from the 21st chapter of Numbers. That means they've been in the wilderness for a while before the snakes become a problem. God has been providing everything that they need, not everything that they want, big distinction, but everything that they need. However, they are still unhappy. They start in one more time on the same old, worn, weary line that they have said to Moses a hundred times before, why did you bring us out here just to kill us in the wilderness? And then what has to be the best complaint of all time. This food is terrible and there's not enough of it. Listen to that, right? The food is terrible and there's not enough of it. It's easy to shake our heads at them. It's easy to wonder how they could have been so ungrateful, so 
impatient, so unable to lift their heads away from their own dinner plates, their own problems for once, and look around at the astounding grace of having even survived it all in the first place. But if you have ever been in the wilderness, if you've ever been trapped, stuck between one way of life and the next, if you've ever had to wait for something longer than you thought possible, if you've ever been without a home or a sanctuary or even a road map, then you know. You know how hard it is. How time slows down in the wilderness. How other people over time sort of disappear. How exhausting it is to wonder every day what will happen. How hard, impossible it is to lift your head up from your own life, your own dinner plate, and see anything beyond yourself. Wilderness is not an easy place to be. And wilderness is not made much easier by the reading today, because in the middle of that story is this troubling detail. After the people have complained, it says, Then the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and they bit the people, and many of them died. Wait, what? Is that not the kind of theology that we in this congregation loudly speak against? Isn't this the kind of thing that some thoughtless televangelist says after a hurricane or an earthquake that, oh, those people were bad, they were evil, so surely they deserved whatever was coming to them? Isn't that the kind of thing to which we say loudly, no? And to top it off, the people of Israel have been in the wilderness for a while. They have complained the entire time. What makes this time different? Why the snakes? Why is God punishing them now? Maybe we should ask a different question. Is this punishment? Is that really what God is up to in the wilderness? Over these past weeks of Lent, we as a community have been walking through the process of building peace. Building peace within ourselves so that we can be peacemakers in the world. Along the way, we've talked about the various ways we can do that, and those are printed in the bulletin today on page 7. Starting with centering ourselves, then listening carefully, asking questions of ourselves and others to understand more, and then today, part 4, step 4, piece 4 of the process, which is speaking. Speaking what is true for you, doing that with kindness so that you can look for connections with the other person. Well, the people of Israel are are not shy about speaking in the wilderness. They know what they think, and they're going to say it. They don't say it with much kindness, but they do repeat it over and over and over again. Mostly they complain. But when we read their complaints more carefully, we begin to notice something. It's not just complaining. They're not telling the truth. They're lying, actually. Their complaint is that God has not provided for them, 
Their complaint is that there's no food and no water, and the food that they apparently do have is terrible. But what we know from the larger story is that, in fact, just the chapter before, Moses struck a rock with a staff that God had given him so that water could flow freely from the pe- for the people. We know from earlier in the story that God has been providing manna when they wake up in the morning so that there is enough for them to eat. The people are not telling the truth, are they? And they never repent of that. They never apologize. They never spend any time asking their neighbors what they might need or want. All they can do at this point in the story is bite at each other, snap at each other, strike out at each other, and at God. Sounds a lot like, you know, snakes. A colleague of mine with whom I was reading this story last week suggested that maybe that's the key to the story. After all, she said, what, what happens to us as communities, neighborhoods, families, nations, when we find ourselves in a hard time, a stressful time, an anxious time, when we're worried and afraid? Don't we do the same thing as the Israelites? Don't we begin to bite and snap at each other? Don't we begin to lie? Don't we begin to fear the person next to us? Maybe they're the problem. And what happens to our communities when we do this? Instead of building each other up and standing shoulder to shoulder, facing whatever the hard thing is together, we begin to separate. We begin to walk away, thinking we can make it on our own. The spaces between us get bigger and bigger and bigger until all of a sudden there's plenty of room for those snakes to get in. What if the snakes have been in the wilderness the whole time, but they were unable to harm the people until the people turned on each other, became so divided and broken and angry and cruel to each other that the snakes finally had their chance to work their way in and kill. This might be an image for us to keep in mind when we are thinking about speaking in difficult circumstances. We live in stressful, anxious times when lots of people are worried about what's happening to our communities of all kinds. And when we are in that time, what do, what do our words do? Do they divide or do they bring together? Do our world's words build peace or do they promote division? Do our words tear people apart from each other? Or do they heal and reconcile? Are we building up communities that are strong enough to keep the snakes out? Or are we, in the end, biting and snapping at each other so much that the sna- we hardly need the snakes at all? We're doing all the damage ourselves. Now the people of Israel begged God to take the snakes away. Who wouldn't? But God did not do that. Not exactly. Instead, God commanded Moses to make a serpent, make a snake, put it on a pole, and lift it up so that anyone who was bitten could come and look at the snake and they would live. 
That is, the people's problems were not going to be magically solved, magically taken away. They would be healed by looking at what they had done and telling the truth about it. They would have to face it. They would have to understand it and confess it and repent of it. And when they did, when their words turned from lies to truth, then they would be healed. Maybe that's why Jesus, when explaining exactly how God loves the world, Jesus turned back to this old story of snakes. The gospel story today comes from an, a religious leader named Nicodemus who came to Jesus one night and asked him a lot of questions. And in the middle of that, Jesus told Nicodemus that one day he himself would be lifted up like that serpent on a pole so that when people looked at him, they would live. We're so familiar with what comes next in that Nicodemus story, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believeth in him, as I memorized it in confirmation, may not perish but have eternal life. We're so familiar with that verse that we kind of skip over the ones about snakes and wilderness. Nobody writes John 3.14 on a sign and holds it up at the football game. But if we can spend a little time in verse 14 first, before we get to 16, if we can stay there long enough, maybe we will see something that heals us. That in Jesus, God is not magically solving the problems of the world, not taking the snakes away, but holding up all the hard truths that we need to face, the ways that we hurt each other, that we fail each other, the ways that we are cruel to each other or that we walk away from each other, the ways we fail to listen, the ways we bite and snap at each other until our communities begin to crumble. God is holding up those hard things and asking us to face them. After all, Jesus knew all those things. Every awful thing a community can do, it did to Jesus. When we look at Jesus held up before us, we have to admit how thoughtless and awful and broken we can be. But we also see and marvel at how deeply and completely God loves us, loves this world. That God is determined that those things will not be the end of the story. Somehow, God can work through even the worst things, even the snakes, to bring about transformation. As long as we are stuck in the wilderness, that can be pretty hard to see. But it is a promise, and it is the hope by which we live that God will give us enough manna for one more day, that we can have the strength and courage to face the truth. That the snakes may get in, and it might be because we let them, but they do not get to win. This does instead that God so loved this world, all of it, every piece and parcel, even the wilderness and even the snakes, 
For God so loved the world that love alone will get the last word. There may be no important thing, no more important thing we can say than that. Except maybe this. Thanks be to God. Amen.